Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly episodes of us talking about movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Media Boat Podcast. It is episode 412. Today is December the 5th, 2023. And hey, yeah, we're here to give you all of the above, all of the things that he just told you um, to prepare you for the winter ahead. Yes, we are in December, so that does mean that end-of-the-year lists are coming out. And hey, yes, that does mean end-of-the-year podcast episodes are coming out. Well, not coming out. They came out already, as the first episode yes. of the end-of-the-year wrap-up has is already up. Yes, if you check your podcast feed, if you are a podcast subscriber to us, you will notice that the first episode of our year-end wrap-up for 2023 is up. We started with music. From here on out, the next three Sundays, we will have special episodes, four Sundays, we will have special episodes for you uh, to continue that wrap up, uh, including ones for video games, television, movies, and a final episode that looks into our crystal ball as we think about 2024. So expect all that in your podcast feed and also on YouTube in video form for the first time ever. Yep. All those episodes will be going up at noon Pacific time on the West Coast. Uh, so three o'clock Eastern. Did the math for you guys there. Didn't have to do that yourself. Uh, <laughs> so you'll get all those on Sunday. But this isn't Sunday. This right. is our regular regular ass scheduled episode. Indeed. So let's get right into it. And we start with the music section. Start the music section with the billboard. Start the billboard with the Hot 100 and start the Hot 100 actually being a cold 100 because it is now December, which <laughs> means get cozy up because the Christmas songs have officially arrived. They're here, folks. At number one, everyone, no matter who you are, young or old, continues to start and be for the rest of this month rocking around the Christmas tree yes. by Brenda Lee. Important note, this is the first time that Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee has been a number one on the Billboard 100, which means it is now the new record holder for the longest time since release that a song has taken to be a number one hit. And it didn't just beat that record, it shattered that record. (laughs) Well, yeah, because I believe we talked about this last year where it was Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You with yeah. the longest running um, drought to reach number one, which yeah. that is now the, your number two song. Of That's the like a 30 year difference between the two of those songs, just for reference. So gives you an idea of how long this road has been. So, Man, yeah, does that mean everyone's cooling off of Mariah Carey this year? Mm. I mean, it is. number two on this list so maybe not as much (laughs) no yes at number two all i want for christmas is you the mariah carey version without justin bieber coming in at three and the only non-christmas one here Mm -hmm. although although it might be christmas depending on who you ask loving on me (laughs) by jack harlow uh coming in at four jingle bell rock by bobby helms and rounding out your top five last christmas by Wom. Mm. 
one more try on that. Wham. Oh, no, it's not their name. Wham. Yeah, that's wah, 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 wah. <laughs> By way, it's last Christmas. Yeah, yes. The song, not the movie. I mean, is that song in the movie? That song, the movie is based on the song. See, then there you go. Wait, have you not seen it? No. Oh, add it to your Christmas watch list. <laughs> it's very mediocre. <laughs> Sold. Thank you. For that recommendation. All right, let's move on to the 200. Uh, as for your Billboard 200, your albums chart, it's Taylor Swift season. It seriously is, and I have no idea why. So at number one, we have 1989, Taylor's version by Taylor Swift. At two, we have For All the Dogs by Drake. Coming at three, Midnight's by Taylor Swift. At four, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. But rounding out your top five is Folklore by Taylor Swift. So three out of the top five slots for Taylor Swift. What is your theory about why this happened? Why do you think all of a sudden streaming numbers went up for two other Taylor albums besides 1989 Taylor's version? I mean, obviously, because everyone listened to us talk about Taylor Swift on Sunday. Um, uh, I, I'll no. tell you my theory, which is that it just so happened that this coincides with Spotify wrapped season, which happened mm. last week during the this. Probably a lot of people got in their results. Your number one artist of 2023 was Taylor Swift. Here's an, a playlist of the stuff you listened to this year. And voila, it's just a bunch of Taylor Swift. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> and yeah, that's my guess. But I actually don't know. There could be other, some other reason buried in here. I mean, that would make sense for uh, Midnight's and probably Folklore. But 1989 Taylor's version is the new album. So that makes sense. So that sense was going to be your there. number one regardless. Because yes. For All the Dogs wasn't going to hold on. But yes. Um, interesting nonetheless. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Three out of the top five. You know she's going for five out of five, right? Yeah, I mean, well, it might happen. She still has time. Um, speaking of Spotify wrapped, but before actually, before we get there, before I was get... jumping the gun on that segue. Yes. If you didn't uh, enjoy your Spotify wrapped, we have new releases. There we go. Including Rat Wars by Health, <laughs> all caps, yelling everywhere. Yes. Uh, we also have. The Love Reinvention by Allison Goldfrapp. The Beautiful Dark of Life by Atreyu. Yes, that Atreyu. And no, not <laughs> that Atreyu. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, Before and After by Neil Young. Yes, old Neil Young. <laughs> not young Neil. Yes. But Neil Young. Uh, two different Chrissy. people. Christy, by the way, did not realize that that was a Yul Young joke until I explained yeah. it to her after we watched Takes Off. She was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why he's called Young Neil. And she's Neil. like, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is no other character named Neil in there. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, We also have Pink Friday 2 by Nicki Minaj. So if you didn't yeah. listen to Pink Friday, now's your chance to get ready for the sequel. <laughs> Go catch up. And lastly, 
Think Later by Tate McRae. Yes, recent Saturday Night Live uh, musical guest, Tate McRae. So, as you mentioned, as you're trying to get to, everyone was doing their Spotify unwrapped. Unfortunately, some people unwrapped a pink slip. As Spotify is laying off 17% of its global workforce in order to cut costs, uh, CEO Daniel Ek said on Monday. Uh, just real quick, I don't think we've had a CEO last name that is is as good in a while as Daniel Ek, because Ek is the kind of the sound that like it comes up in my throat whenever I think about Spotify and how they do their business. It's just Ek. Ugh. Ek. Yeah. Well, anyways. Well, anyways, Ek <laughs> made the announcement in an internal memo sent to staff which the company then posted on its website. Quote, in my CEO voice, I recognize this will impact a number of individuals who have made valuable contributions. To be blunt, many smart, talented, and hardworking people will be departing us. Close quote. Spotify currently employs over 9,000 people globally, meaning... Over 9,000? Yes. Employees over 9,000 people globally, meaning the layoffs will eliminate around 1,500 oh. workers. Uh. Though the music streamer has accomplished steady subscriber growth, boasting 220 million paying subscribers, it has continued to struggle to become profitable. Because of those mm. 220 million paying subscribers, paying $17 a month, there's no way they're making a billion dollars every month, right? Does that math not check out? So Maybe here's the thing. Here. I mean, there's an, e- there's an easy answer and there's a, there's a real answer. The easy answer is, well, no, that's not how any business works. You can't just say, oh, net... Uh, proceeds from subscription costs go, and that's how much money they make. Obviously, yes. there are operating costs, there are payroll, there's payroll. There's yes, net like versus this. gross. That's the easy answer, and that's what Spotify wants you to believe, which is like, oh, well, certainly it must be just expensive to run a company like Spotify. The real answer is they must be mismanaging their money, because you think about it, like, where is it all going then? Because and it can't all be payroll. Are they it can't or, all be artists as uh Weird Al right. Yankovic yeah. pointed out this past weekend? Right. Yes. So so great. What a what a what a move for him. Um <laughs> uh, and like, yeah, it's just and then you have this coincides with other stories about like, oh, they're dropping podcasts that they spent a billion dollars on uh to get celebrity names attached to their podcast service. They're also cutting, as we reported, um the revenue share for the the songs that are under 1000 streams. So they're already, they're doing all this cost cutting all at once when they're more successful than they've ever been. When we just had a Spotify wrapped week where everybody was giving me free advertising as they do every year Mm -hmm. and not even considering at what cost. And this is immediately what they do. They toss all that goodwill in the trash because they know nobody who's doing that is paying attention to these stories because they can operate on those two levels, be this awful company to work for and do business with, but also have fun sharing their gifts with each other. And, oh, look, 
it says that I have the same taste as someone in Burlington, Vermont. Yeah, fun. But like the fun, is it worth stories like this that happen immediately after the fun is over? Spotify is forever going to just be this dichotomy of, yeah, it's how we all listen to music. And also it's why the music industry is slowly getting dismantled. All right, everyone back to iTunes or Apple <laughs> Music we have or Napster. Um, fun, actually, side story to this. Um, Christine and I found somebody had uploaded the 2002 Grammys onto YouTube. And Ooh. we were watching a 2002 Grammy telecast. And there's this whole bit that the then CEO of the uh, indus- uh, the recording industry, uh, or the RIAA, uh, yeah. They uh, goes up and does their little speech. Well, he dedicated his entire speech to the terrifying future of illegally downloaded music. And it felt so quaint because he goes on all about like, yeah, it's this is this is destroying the industry as we know it. Every time these people like download up to 6,000 illegal songs every day, um, like it's like taking away like real money from our artists. Like the entire argument was based on our artists are losing money from this. Fast forward to now, and then you have the industry itself supporting a system that keeps artists from being paid in a very similar way. The only difference is you don't have the seat, the, the president go up there during this year's Grammys and saying this is a problem because it's not a problem for the industry Them. because the labels are in on it this time and they're making money from it. It's not a problem for the people at the top, so mm-hmm. they're not going to make it a problem for everyone else. Exactly. So it's like, this is what we're talking about when we talk about this stuff. It's like Spotify, we celebrate Spotify for a week and then the next week, the very next week, they lie off 1,500 people. 1,500 people. It's just, it just, it, makes me angry in so many ways and yeah I, i'm just tired of them i'm just tired of them anyways so enjoy and your wrapped i guess hope it, you had fun enjoy being unwrapped because <laughs> it may be the last one you get no no, no it, they'll no. probably keep going because nothing's stopping the spotify train because as long as the industry is on board as long as the labels play ball this will never stop and they'll mm-hmm. keep trying to reformulate it to be profitable which in 2023, what that means, I'm not sure anymore. Um, and yeah, we're just going to continue riding this treadmill. And the people, like I said last week on the podcast, the people, or actually no, on our wrap up, uh, wrap up episode for music, just it's just a model that's just going to continue screwing over the artists that are new and trying to get started. That's the way it is. We'll talk about something a bit later about how <laughs> production companies um, tried to help artists and creatives. Yeah, fingers crossed. We'll we'll get there. (laughs) But before we get to that story, we got to talk about a, funny enough, Grammy Award winning darling. Yes. Billie Eilish, as she shared some news over the past weekend, kind of unintentionally. Yeah. We'll talk about the controversies around this after you read the story, but yeah. Yeah. So on Saturday, Billie Eilish confirmed that she recently came out in her Variety Power of Women cover story, in which she first revealed her attraction to women. The Grammy-winning superstar 
walked the red carpet at Variety's Hitmakers event, uh, where she revealed uh, <laughs> she didn't intend Sorry. to you make just, a grand skipped, gesture just, of coming out. I just want to tell people why I laughed. Uh, you skipped over some Variety uh, bragging. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I had copied and pasted there. <laughs> I I noticed it. That's why I paused. <laughs> um, so where she revealed that she didn't intend to make a grand gesture of coming out, quote to Billy to quote Billy Eilish, no, I didn't. <laughs> but I kind of thought, wasn't it obvious? I didn't realize people didn't know. I just don't really believe in it. I'm just like. Why can't we just exist? I've been doing this for a long time, and I just didn't talk about it. Whoops. But I saw the article, and I was like, oh, I guess I came out today. <laughs> okay, cool. It's exciting to me, because I guess people didn't know, but it's cool that they know. I am for the girls. End okay. quote, Billie Eilish. And also, yes. me too. I'm also for the girls. <laughs> Yes, we can say the media vote podcast, very pro-girl. Uh, but uh, basically, <laughs> so after this came out, there's been a little bit of social media discussion uh, talking about whether or not Variety accidentally, by running this story before Billy could make the statement herself, uh, was outed. Right. That's basically the term a lot of people are are discussing, whether this counts as Variety outing someone who wasn't intending on coming out. So, Well, I don't think it's them outing her. I think it's just them using her direct quote, though, mm -hmm. in the interview. And, that's part and people of the, took yeah. it as, oh, she's coming out. That's part of the discussion. And so Billy would uh, eventually write a uh, Instagram caption, which she said, hey, it wasn't exactly cool that Variety did this. And a lot of people took that and ran with it. And I mean mm -hmm. ran with it because, as you know, everything is very polarized on the internet. There's no nuanced takes. It's either you are on this far extreme or you're on this far extreme. And in this case, the conversation had two, pol polars, two polls, which was either Variety should not have ran the story without consulting her about it, like made sure that she was okay with the language used in the article and that she had like first say on it. So that means that Variety outed her and we should not be outing people who are not saying it themselves. On the other side, you have, well, let's talk about what the definition of outing is, because I think you guys are using it too loosely. They just, as you just said, quoted her and ran the story as was. So Right, and I'm sure they sent it to Billie Eilish and her publicist to review before, because it's a cover story. Yeah. Like, she's the cover artist. She's getting all the attention. And so you yeah. assume that... Variety would make sure, like, hey, we're going to run this. Is this what you want? Anything you want to change? Yeah. So where the nuance is and where kind of between those polar opposite takes lies is, I think, mostly the truth, which is even if her people may have been consulted about the story, there's a possibility that maybe Billy didn't see exactly how it was going to be run. And so that could explain why, according to the Instagram caption, she felt off, like caught off guard by it. Two, in the quote, she says that she didn't really label it is kind of what it sounds like. She didn't necessarily 
come out at any point because she didn't feel like she had to. She didn't feel like that that was something she needed to do. She just wanted to live a life in which she was able to express her sexuality in the way that she wanted to without it being a top of, topic of conversation, which is a very Zoomer progressive kind of way of thinking about how we address a human sexual, sexuality. I feel like they're in the older kind of model from our generation going back, it was kind of like you did have to come out. You had to have a conversation about it because it was seen as an othering almost. It was seen as a outside of the norm thing that you had to explain to friends and family members because maybe they wouldn't understand it. I think this newer generation, which Billy speaks to, I think, in this by saying that this way, is just assuming, well, no, I'm just going to like who I like. And what's the problem there? Why is Why does there have to be another layer why do I have to explain myself? And that's essentially it's, how she sounds here. She feels like she doesn't have to explain it. Well, not just that. It feels like she doesn't need to make a big deal about it. Uh, we actually talked about it on this podcast a couple of years ago when Jojo Siwa yes. made a big deal about coming out and people were all like supporting it. Yeah. And then Billie Eilish comes up, like essentially like doesn't make a big deal about it. Right. And people want it to be a big deal right. because she is a big artist, a Grammy winning artist and i can that, understand yeah. yeah this could just be a generational divide this could just be older millennials or you know people or people even older than that that are frustrated with the fact that she's not like going into this with a big like i am proud of this just because of all that you know that feeling of, of of that like the community worked really hard to get to where they are and again, I'm obviously not a member of this community, so I can, can't really speak for them. But that's the vibe I get, that there is certain earned uh, pride is the word on <laughs> purpose. You know, it's it's about that hard work that got to this point where it is accepted. Whereas I think the younger generation is just like, yeah, I like I like girls and guys. What's the problem? Like, they just do not understand. They don't have the context because it just seems so normal. It's like the air they breathe now and honestly that's probably how it should be but where we get that nuance is because of this crossing over of these generations and we're still kind of getting used to how the next generation is going to treat these kind of events so on the record no i do not think that variety outed billy eilish but at the same time that doesn't necessarily mean that billy shouldn't have had at least some sort of more control over the message I think both of those things can be true. And the nuance and context is important, internet people. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, um, congratulations, Billie Eilish. You made it complicated for older people. Well, she didn't make anything complicated, <laughs> but yes. You're right. Avril Lavigne is the one who makes it complicated. <laughs> yeah, Why? Right. Why? Why does she have to go and make things complicated? Well, no, I think she was saying that to somebody else. Oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, uh, did you listen to anything besides uh, your unwrapped playlists? I was more just, yeah, I was just more just, well, uh, first of all, I don't have it unwrapped because I don't have a Spotify. And then also... Uh -huh, take that. Take that. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was mostly just, yeah, kind of wrap up as I was doing my year-end list, just wrapping up my thoughts about uh, like those songs. And so listening to a lot of songs from earlier in the year. Yep. And if you want to listen to our top albums of the year as we discuss it, you can do so on our end of the year uh, wrap up review for yep. music currently yes. available now. 
Indeed. So with music done and out of the way, not to just like push it off to the side, but <laughs> to move on with the episode, yes. let's get right into video games. And we start let's... with new releases, including Final Fantasy VII, colon, Ever Crisis for the PC. Yes, this is also a mobile game. I believe, and this is a PC version of the mobile game. I could be wrong. This is on some other pro, uh, uh, platform. I thought this isn't the mobile game that's a um, like PvP shooter, right? Oh, is it? It might be because that where everyone says uh, it's a soldier mobile game. Soldier. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, it's a mobile game that is now coming to PC. No, it, it looks like an RPG. Okay. Yeah, so it's an RPG set in the Final Fantasy VII universe that was already released on mobile. It is now getting a PC release. There you go. Too many versions of Final Fantasy VII out there. Seriously. All right. Uh, we also have Small Land, colon, Survive the Wilds for the PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. Mm-hmm. Warhammer 40,000, colon, Rogue Trader for the PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. But everyone get out of the way. Your big release is Avatar. Not that Avatar. This is Avatar colon Frontiers of Pandora for the yes. PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. The one yes. that the game that's had the big push in the last two weeks of advertising. Yes, this is Ubisoft's uh, new Avatar game that is an open world, uh, Far Cry esque uh, kind of open world game. Uh, but again, in a avatar universe and in third person not first so i believe this uh, is a technically a prequel to the movies themselves i believe so yes all right uh speaking of avatar and all those special digital effects think uh weta is one of those companies that definitely worked on avatar but we're not talking about that weta no that is weta fx this right. story is about Weta Digital, the mm-hmm. part that was sold to Unity. Well, was is where it is and will shall ever be because <laughs> Unity has announced that it's to close Weta Digital, yes. the VFX software company that's connected to Peter Jackson's New Zealand-based Weta FX. In a statement to FX Guide, Weta wrote, quote, Unity believes the Weta Digital team are remarkable, but Unity needs to become leaner as it focuses its expertise on its core business, uh, the statement says, close quote, explaining uh, why this decision was made. As I mentioned, Unity originally made its deal to create Weta Digital in November of 2021, two years ago? Oh my gosh, these mm-hmm. poor people. Uh, with Peter Jackson selling the company's visual effects tools for a then-reported $1.6 billion. Mm-hmm. Jackson's main visual effects company, uh, which continued as Weta FX, um, and worked on Avatar, colon, The Way of Water, mm-hmm. uh, says that that business is unaffected by Weta Digital's closure. So yes, as the story says, this is the software tools division of Weta that was sold to Unity, which makes sense because Unity is a software tools uh, company. Um, 
that's what's being shut down here. I imagine before this, that there was probably some sort of share of technology between Mm -hmm. Unity's main teams. So I'm sure that some of that stuff that they worked on will remain in the Unity company. It's just that that division is getting shuttered and a lot of those people probably did lose their jobs. So it's unfortunate in that way that yes, in just two short years, uh, this complete Unity, it just wants to wipe their hands clean of this. It's weird that they want to wipe their hands clean of a $1.6 billion purchase just two years after buying it. I mean, that's again, just... we have seen the implosion of Unity yes. over the past year. It really just goes to show you how quickly Unity needs to make up debt, which I imagine was why they're doing this. Because uh, all that's what all these companies are apparently doing, which is, hey, we ran up all this debt. The interest rates are so high right now. We need to get money now as opposed to later so we can pay off all that debt. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if Unity is doing I know that. someone who is willing to give money if you need it now. <laughs> it's that, my man, money and I need it now. You're talking about much lower stake situations than billions of dollars, but sure. They can try yes. to give them a call <laughs> if they want. Yes, I'm anyway. sure J.G. Wentworth will answer that call. Yeah. <laughs> they need a structured settlement, apparently. Yes, um, very... anyway. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. Uh, Weta FX will continue, which is why I, I thought was closing, but no, right. this is just Weta Digital, the tool software tools division. So yes, yep. uh, didn't we have high hopes when they bought them? I mean, high hopes with Unity in general were the norm back then because everybody loved Unity in 2021. Now, not so much. <laughs> uh, Anyways, now Unity is broken and not really uni- united front anymore. Yes, yeah, Unity is an ironic name now. Yes. All right. Um, if you're wondering why that was our main story, that's yes. because the actual main story is wrapped up in the bits. Yes, there's so much the stuff. Bits. The bits. You, you the cursed bits. me. You cursed me in a way because I w- could have only had two stories, but because you already had one that you forced upon me, I had to bundle up some bits because I was like, well, I can't do three stories, so I have to do the rest of this. Well, yes, because you put your bits in here. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so many bits. Yes, so many bits, but all of them trumped by the big bit, which is GTA yes. Trilogy coming to Netflix now, on mobile. But yes, that is happening, but that's not the big GTA news. Oh, don't worry, we'll get there. Yes. Uh, we also have Xbox, which is in discussions to launch a mobile store. This is, of course, following the purchase of Activision Blizzard. Oh, and King, 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 the mobile company, this makes sense. This puts their foot firmly in the mobile uh, door. Is it too early to pick up the phone yet on that? Yeah, we called this. We knew that this was (laughs) going to happen as soon as they could start doing it. Yep. Speaking of Xbox, they have reiterated that they want to bring Game Pass to PlayStation and Nintendo platforms. Yes, this was, I believe the line was, they want anybody with a screen to be able to play Xbox Game Pass. That's kind of where they've always been wanting it to go. It's just a matter of whether Sony or Nintendo wants to play ball with that idea, which seems like if they wanted to, it would have happened by now. Also, if they wanted to, Nintendo would have to beef up its console by now. Well, no, because... Oh, you're talking about cloud Cloud gaming is always an option. They always have that in their back pocket. So in case they don't want to make a deal to allow you to download 
Microsoft game, like Microsoft's own games, which I'm sure is the sticking point here. Um, they will then say, well, what about cloud streaming? And then you could do that on a Switch right now if you wanted. Yes, but we all know what how cloud streaming works on a Switch, though. It's not the best. Yeah. Then in this case, Microsoft would be running the servers, so you would think that that would be better, but who knows? Well, the last bit of bits for Xbox News. Uh, Phil Spencer yes. is telling fans that he hears you. He's just not going to acknowledge you <laughs> in regards to a new Banjo-Kazooie game. Yeah, this has been a long desired thing from the super hardcore rare fans who want a proper third game in the Banjo-Kazooie series. No, they don't think nuts and bolts counts. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, in the lead up few uh, lead up days to the Game Awards, which are Thursday night as of this recording, there's a lot of misguided, in my opinion, hope that one of Xbox's big announcements at the show is some something Banjo-related. However, just to remind everybody who's thinking that way, Rare still hasn't said anything about Everwild, the game that they announced and showed a trailer for years ago. If we're going to have any Rare news, hopefully it'll be about that, and not yet another new project that probably won't come out until 2025. Just, just try to be realistic here. <laughs> I love Banjo-Kazooie. It's a great game. But there's other things happening right now in Microsoft Game Studios, and it's probably not a priority. And the last bit of news here are actually three different updates to some game favorites, including yes. Baldur's Gate 3 getting its latest update, which adds a new epilogue. So yes. you get a chance to play through it all over again. Yeah, which is kind of the point of that game. It seems like it's de designed uh, into for multiple playthroughs. So mm -hmm. yeah, have fun. Yeah. Uh, we also have Disney Speedstorm, uh, that Disney racing game, adding a new roster of characters just in time for Christmas. Yes. And you're right. If you're thinking, it's definitely Frozen characters. I added this just for you because I wanted to let you know in case you didn't know, Frozen characters are coming. Oh, I know. I jumped right back into it and it's back on my daily play because Frozen characters are amazing. <laughs> there you go. And then we also have Nintendo, not to be outdone, <laughs> unveiling new Donkey Kong Country expansion for Nintendo World Japan. Yes, a 70% land expansion. Yes, think about that for a second. That means 70% more land for Nintendo Land than was already there. That's huge. So a gigantic Donkey Kong Country-themed land will be added to Nintendo World, but so far only in the Japanese park. No word on whether Hollywood will be getting this. Hollywood already, because of how cramped the space is there, mm -hmm. didn't have room for the Yoshi ride, which was still, which was in the original Japan uh, Japanese park. So the fact that they still are behind means that you're not seeing Donkey Kong Land anytime soon unless Universal Hollywood does some major expansion work. But where? There's no place to put it. There's really nothing they can do. They're really hamstrung by this. You know, they do. They, they put it underneath the park, and you're just making a nighttime jungle themed. <laughs> or or you do uh, like the well, Vegas does, and you just have um, 
uh, lights everywhere on at all the time, so you don't actually know what time it is underground. And then when you finally leave Donkey Kong Country, and you're like, what do you mean it's still light outside? Or what do you mean it's dark outside? (laughs) (laughs) How long have I been underground? I think there are reasons why you can't do that. Yes. Anyway. Anyways. Yeah, but we need to get ready and prepare because this week is the Video Game Awards. And yes. that's where big trailers and big announcements will <laughs> be there. They'll be released. We'll get yes. all brand new gaming content. Yes. Unless you're a guy on Twitter who wants to promote Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> In so. which case, you can go ahead and leak the GTA 6 trailer, which Rockstar will then say no. <laughs> and we'll release it ourselves. So, uh, basically, the context here is, like we reported last week on the show, Rockstar had planned to release the trailer, the first proper trailer for GTA 6, in December. We then found out in between last week's show and now that that was going to be scheduled for this morning, December 5th, at 6 a.m. Pacific. But last night, you're right, a leaker got the footage, tried to sell Bitcoin off of it, And then Rockstar just decided, well, it's out there. People have already seen it. Might as well just put it out in an official capacity now. So the trailer was up last night. It is up right now if you haven't seen it. It is about 90 seconds long. Um, It has... um... Pre-rendered cutscenes. Very clearly pre-rendered cutscenes. I don't want people coming in here thinking that this is actual gameplay. Uh, I'm going to actually... I'm actually going to be... I'm going to push back on that because if you look at screenshots of that footage, there is still very clearly in engine looking effects in it, including the hair. Uh, the, like if you look at hair on the character models, it's very much dithered like in engine rendered hair is not in a way it's not perfect. Like cutscene hair can be now that's an engine that's real time. I'm going to push back on this pushback <laughs> because we've seen uh, what Cyberpunk 2077 trailer <laughs> looked like compared to what actually was released. And yes, I know these are two different companies. <laughs> yes. But they're also two companies that well, are more or less beloved by fans. Well, regardless of whether or not the footage is in-engine or not, it is the first footage we've seen so far of uh, GTA 6, and it looks like a Grand Theft Auto game, except with some minor changes. You uh, have a female protagonist, yes. playable, first time in the franchise, 3D well, era. Yes, I put that on purpose because a lot of people are making that mistake when they do their headlines. The very first Grand Theft Auto for the PC and PlayStation, you could select female protagonists, but the difference was that they were little tiny little 2D sprites in a top-down perspective game. So, did you really? Maybe not. But, canonically, yes. It's important that we do not leave that game out of the canon. However, in the 3D era, which started with GTA 3 on the PlayStation 2, this is the first time you can control a female character. So, that is where this is new. It looks like it could also be a two-character in tandem kind of setup, with her and her partner, and I mean that both in partner in crime and romantic partner, judging by some of the scenes in this trailer. 
Um, yep. Lots of Bonnie be, and Clyde vibes going it's, on. Yes, it's possible that you might be switching between them two, a la GTA Five. Not a la Spider Man Two. Yes, but I'm trying to keep it in the franchise. I know you are. But but anyway, I want to try to keep it relevant. But it does seem like that the female character is in charge. It does seem like she is going to be the focus of the story, which is pretty cool to see. But everything else, though, suggested all the stuff that people want to see from GTA. A huge, sprawling landscape. It's apparently going to be the state of Florida, not just Miami, like Vice City before it. This is different areas of Florida kind of come concocted together in a GTA uh, summary, like like a smaller version, obviously. Uh, but yeah, it seems like they've really, in that classic uh, Rockstar attention to detail, they've wrapped up a lot of Floridian things, including uh, gators breaking into uh, convenience stores. Um, it seems like they are having a lot of fun with the setting this time, as they always do. Yeah, I mean, as of this year, it's been 10 years since GTA 5 came out. Yes. Um, they did say, or they put in the trailer, that GTA 6 won't come out till 2025. Yes, that's the other side about this announcement, is that if we do now know, this will not be a 2024 game. So keep on waiting. The other thing we know is it has only been confirmed for PS5 and Xbox Series X. No PC version of this game has been announced yet. I'll also, no GTA Online format has been announced or confirmed. Yes. Yeah, it yet. looks like this is just footage from the single-player experience mm -hmm. of this game. Yes, no word about whether or not this will build on top of the existing GTA line online that 5 introduced or make a completely new version of GTA online we do not know so yeah uh, yep but hey at least we might see actual gameplay at the game awards or at least general gameplay because like you said uh, this, this is still two years out I would bet no um, I'd say we don't see anything at the game awards I think Rockstar is treating this like is independent and treating themselves like that and this will not be at the Game Awards. However, it does say trailer mm. one. So I imagine as 24, 24 progresses, they will release probably more and more footage of the game, giving us a better idea of what that thing is. But they will control that feed unless, as you say, somebody grabs it and leaks it for Bitcoin. So that means that Super Bowl 2025, yeah. we will yeah. get a official release date because all eyes will be yeah. on that game. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, that's not a bad theory. I maybe you you could be right. I'm right. thinking two. I'm I'm already marketing two years in advance here. Okay, <laughs> pay me my money now, and yep, you yep. can enjoy that later. All right. Anyway. Anyways, do you plan on playing GTA Six? You know, every time I play a GTA game since three, I play it for an hour, and then I'm like, eh, I'm good. So no. I probably will not play GTA 6. Uh, I don't think I've played a GTA game in full. Yeah, I did play 3 for the Xbox. Uh -huh. um, but I don't think I ever finished it. Well, there you go. It's just not, you know, not for us. That's yeah. fine. We got Saints Row instead. 
<laughs> for what it's worth, yes, we do yeah. get Saints Row. Anyway, all right. All right. So instead of playing, talking about games we play, we're going to play two years in the future. Did you play anything currently? Ah, no, just more fashion dreamer. You know me. Okay. Um, I did end up playing a game. It's not a new game, so I start on here. Uh, the Gardens Between. Okay. Because it was available on uh, PlayStation Extra. Yes. And it's a puzzle game. Yes. And it's a time-based puzzle game where you move forwards and backwards in order to activate certain switches. And you have two characters. One of them holds the object. The other activates the switches. So it's a good little puzzle game. Okay. Took me an hour to beat the game. Two, an hour and a half to platinum it. So really quick, really short. Uh, but overall, I kind of did enjoy the story. It's about two uh, neighbors who, with one of them moving away, and you kind of play through their uh, experience of meeting and becoming friends and then ultimately saying goodbye as one character moves away and kind of like their last night together underneath their uh, tree fort mm -hmm. as it, between them is the garden that they share in uh, the gardens the garden between. Yes, very exactly, yes. And yes, the garden is the friendship we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Okay, sounds quaint. Yeah, a uh, quick game. If you like puzzles, you like time-based, and you got an hour to kill, it's real quick. It's available on PlayStation uh, Extra as part of the um, new games that roll through. Okay, cool. All right, with that, let's move into the second half of the show, where we always start with television, and we always start the television section with the Sports Corner. Oh, wait, yep. no, there's no hockey news. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no hockey news. And let's just get this like uh, just get this over with at the top of the sports corner here. No, we don't know still where Otani is going. So don't ask us. All right. We, will, we might know by next week. There are some okay. headlines saying yeah, that Otani will make a maybe. announcement, a decision this week. Yes. But it's only Tuesday. Yeah, the winter meetings are happening right now. So it's still possible that news could come out. But it's not looking likely anytime really soon. It might take a little longer. But yeah, who knows? Moving on, our first actual sports sports center sports corner story is is about the about college football. Georgia has fallen, and chaos ensues. Number one seeded Georgia throughout like at least the last ten weeks has officially lost a game, lost the SEC championship yes. game. Yes, so they are out of bowl game contention, which means that the bowl games will be the Sugar Bowl, which will have the number two ranked Washington versus the number three ranked Texas. The Rose Bowl will have the currently now number one ranked Michigan against yep. number four ranked Alabama. The which Orange Alabama... Bowl beat Georgia in order to get claim that number four slot. But right. that does mean that Florida State, which did have the number four slot, that did go undefeated, that did win the ACC, is not going to compete for the national championship. No. Instead, they will be at the Orange Bowl, where they will be facing number six ranked Georgia. So I think this was done on purpose to basically when they play to qual to squash anyone saying, Hey, if we actually did put Florida State in the uh in the uh championship, 
and they went up a team like Georgia, could they have even competed? Because we don't think so. We think Georgia's going to win this game. But <laughs> to squash all those like naysayers, this is what we're going to do. But then again, it is pretty ridiculous that you have you have a team in the top four go undefeated, win its championship, and then not make it to the college football playoffs. Instead, you have two 12-1 teams in Texas and Alabama. <laughs> Being that Texas did win the Big Ten and Alabama did win the SEC. Yes, they won their respective championships, but they did both lose a game. Yeah. Mm. So you, God you throw that wrench in there of <laughs> an undefeated team and a one-loss team. But Texas did put on a show at a championship, and Alabama did beat the number one ranked team. So we're just going to yeah. toss it to the side and say, yes, you guys deserve it more than the team that went undefeated the entire season. Yeah. I don't know. This stuff's always complicated. More complicated than it should be, honestly. <laughs> but to wrap up the rest of the bowl games... We also have the Peach Bowl, where the number 10 ranked Penn State will face the number 11 ranked Ole Miss, and the Cotton Bowl, which where will have number 7 ranked the Ohio State against the number 9 ranked Missouri. And that concludes your top 10. Uh, so what I think is going to happen is that Texas will beat Washington in the Sugar Bowl, yep. Alabama will beat Michigan in the Rose Bowl and Texas and Alabama will play for the national championship. Okay. The reason I'm calling this is not because I'm rooting for Alabama, not because I'm rooting for Arch Banning in Texas, <laughs> but mainly because this season started, the whole season, 2023 season started with Texas beating Alabama. Right. So, yes. what better way to end the season than to have them play again for the national championship yeah. and see who is indeed the better team right. after having gone through an entire season. Yes, yeah, definite revenge game. Yeah. I think that's what they're setting it up for. So, come back in the new year to see if I'm right. All right. Well, looking forward to that. Speaking of looking forward to things, some key College players are looking forward to winning the Heisman Trophy. And joining the Nissan Heisman House. Yes, sure. <laughs> um, um, and the finalists have been announced. We have quarterback Jayan Daniels of LSU, Bo Nix from Oregon, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington, and wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. from The Ohio State as your finalists. One of these players is not like the other. Yeah, why three? So three quarterbacks and a wide receiver here. Yep. Typically, um, in the past, this has been a uh, quarterback-dominated award. Yes. But we did see Devontae Smith recently win the Heisman before going to the NFL and currently dominating on my fantasy team for the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, that being said, Marvin Harrison Jr. He's obliterating all of his records, so he should get this award. <laughs> so there you go. But as I said, this is a quarterback, usually a quarterback-dominated award. So don't be surprised if Michael Penix Jr. wins yeah. this thing. 
So we he will find is the out. odds on favorite. Yes, and we will find out the winner on Saturday. So by next week's show, we will know who won. You'll know who Mr. Heisman is. Yes. And then speaking of the NFL, the league after the league, the Carolina <laughs> Panthers are now 1-11 and 11, oof, and have already been eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> Your pick is not yeah, to you. I was going to say your draft pick is in the mail. But it's not because they got they <laughs> sold that this year's draft pick. That's right. Last year Oof. to the Bears, so the Bears Yikes. will get the number one draft pick, uh... which they are currently going to be evaluating both their quarterback and head coach, and possibly getting both a new quarterback and head coach come uh, March April twenty twenty four for the draft. Oh, the Fields experiment did not pay off. It still is not paying off. No. <laughs> Good to know. It continues to not pay off. <laughs> well, there you go. Fascinating what will happen. Uh, but yeah, sorry, Panthers, you're, you're out. <laughs> All right. Then lastly, the NBA, the in-season tournament, has entered its quarterfinals, and the championship of the in-season tournament will be on Saturday. So check that out. Quarterfinal games continue today with the Lakers versus the Suns and the Bucks versus the Knicks. Meanwhile... The Pacers and the Pelicans have both advanced to the semifinals. The semifinals games will be on Thursday with the championship on Saturday, meaning by the time we podcast next week, we mm-hmm. will have an in the first ever in-season tournament champion. Yes. So look forward to that. Any other sports that we need to talk about? Hockey continues to hockey. It does. It does continue to hockey. That is true. Uh, and wrestling continues to wrestling with uh, CM Punk returning to the WWE. Uh, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> it's right. like everybody's really mad. Um, what we can <laughs> talk about, though, is did you watch the Celebrity Jeopardy with WWE superstar Becky Lynch, where she got two whole answers right the entire <laughs> game? Three no, rounds. I did not. <laughs> two answers correct. Wait, did she buzz in for only two? Or No, no, she tried. She definitely tried. She lost a lot of money. And then only in the third round, in triple jeopardy, did she finally get two right. But it wasn't enough to even make a dent in the other two scores. So no. Uh, she apparently now has the record, I think, is what I had read, for the worst performing Celebrity Jeopardy contestant of all time. All right, put quotes around celebrity there. She seems like a very uh, charming person, but she just well, that's she's the man. Him. Yeah, apparently. That's what she yes. says. Yes, she's the man in her very thick Scottish accent. Yes. You know, I was fascinated with her accent. I was just like, wow, okay. Yeah, no, so. uh, we've been watching uh, Christmas holiday-themed shows and movies. Mm-hmm. In fact, we went back and watched Ted Lasso, the Christmas special. Oh, yeah, I bet that's kind of weird now. Uh Actually, that single episode still holds up. Okay. Yeah, we like that. Uh, it does feel like a one-off because it kind of was. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. if you just want to watch just the Christmas episode, I think it's episode six in season two. Two, yeah. So yeah, that is there. That's mm-hmm. still charming as ever. Thanks for the hot tip. Uh, but let's move on to television hey. news proper. Yeah, because you can watch the Ted Lasso uh, yes, on Apple Christmas TV. on Apple TV+. Plus. 
But what you might actually be able to see uh, uh, is maybe sometime soon is Ted Lasso up there hanging out on Paramount Mountain with all the rest of those Paramount people? Maybe? <laughs> because Apple and Paramount Global have been discussing bundling their streaming services at a discount. The companies have talked about rolling out a combined Paramount Plus and Apple TV Plus offering what would cost less than subscribing to both services separately. Alternatively, Verizon is also planning to offer the ad-supported versions of Netflix and Warner Brothers Discovery, Warner Brothers Discoveries, stupid that I have to say that, Max streaming service for about $10 a month combined instead of about $17 a la carte. And then there's the grocery delivery app Instacart, who's also throwing their hat in the ring, their cart, uh, who said earlier this week that it partnered with NBC Universal's Peacock to provide the streaming service at no cost to all of its subscribers. The talks between Apple and Paramount are in early stages, so it's unclear what shape the bundle could take. This is interesting for me, someone who Paramount is the one that I'm the absolute holdout on. I refuse to jump in on. But if I just got it for free with Apple TV, that'd be kind of a nice bonus. I mean, it would be nice if, like, say, Amazon, who is trying to offer all <laughs> streaming um, right. uh, streaming apps at one location, would just do this. But the thing about no. this is that Apple's never going to make a deal with Amazon. Amazon is their probably number one rival after Microsoft at this point. Like, right. they don't want to do any business with Amazon. Right. So why partner with Paramount Global then? Because Paramount's a small fish in the streaming uh, pond comparatively. And they're also a small fish, 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 uh, fish in that pond. So why not join forces? It's actually and a be smart... smaller fish yes. in, the, in the small pond. <laughs> it's like, probably fish, a smart fish, decision. Fishies? Fishies? Yes. Fishies? Pisces. They're Pisces. That's what it is. Two fish are Pisces. Yes, I know. I, I would know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think this is an interesting idea, and I'm interested to see what they in end up coming up with. Some sort of partnership. I I, I invite it at this yes. point. Why not? I also invite everyone to start bundling stuff together, and then we create cable again. Cable again. Yeah. Streaming. Yes. Let's, just, let's do it. Let's just do oh. it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's move on to our second story, which is. Yes, you're probably thinking, didn't we say the SAG after news was over? Well, just wait, because a vote for the ratification of their contract still hasn't happened. It would be highly unusual for SAG after members to vote against ratifying their deal as of today, but as no tentative because at no tentative TV slash theatrical contract agreements have been rejected in the recent history of the union. But still, heated debate on online forums has some members wondering. Quote, I have no idea how people are voting or what the split is going to be. That's according to an actor and 2023 SAG-AFTRA strike captain, Kate Bond. Despite the chatter, SAG-AFTRA National Executive Director Duncan Crabtree Ireland, which is a fantastic name, who hunted up negotiations for the union, says he is, quote, fairly confident that members will ultimately approve the pact. Continuing the quote, I do believe that our members will see this deal for what it is, which is an extraordinary and groundbreaking deal. Not perfect, no deal ever is, but it really advances our members' interests. Now you, our intrepid reporter, live on the streets right now, trying to Google if this vote has happened and what did you find? 
Uh, there is no word yet, at least on okay. the sites that I'm typically looking at here, uh, saying whether it has passed or ratified or not. Okay, so we will likely not have news for you on that front until next week's show. But in case anything breaks, we'll fix it. No, uh, we'll maybe address it by the end of the podcast here. So keep your yeah. keep your eyes. So for all that keeps popping up is people very split, especially on the AI uh, protections yeah, of man. whether or not they should vote no because of this specific um, uh, point in the deal. Now, granted, this is a three-year deal, so we're going to be back here in 2026. Right. So, so the question think... is, are these kind of guardrails in place strong enough for three years while we identify what AI is over the next couple of years? Well, I guess we will find out, won't we? Uh, and if we do get news by the time we end this episode, yes, we'll flag uh, we will, it out. We'll, we'll flag it in the movie section. All right, sounds good. But before we get there, we have cancellations and renewals. What am I no longer watching? Bob Hart's Abishola No More. I'm not saying they broke up. I'm just saying that the fifth season of Bob Hart's Abishola on CBS will be its last. So Bob and Abishola will, you know, go off and have a relationship off camera. They will continue to heart one another, as I'm sure that will be the ending. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, next up, Apple TV Plus has canceled Swagger after two seasons. Uh, the quote that I saw was, they couldn't make the layup to a third season. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so those are the cancellations. We also have some renewals for you this week. Stars has renewed Power Book 3, Raising Kanan, for a fourth season. MGM Plus is bringing back Godfather of Harlem for a fourth season. Paramount Plus is bringing back The Gold for a second season. NBC is bringing back Found. They found a second season of Found. Yep. and then That's the new uh, freshman one. Same with yes. this upcoming one. The Irrational, which will get a second season as well. Yep. So there you go. <laughs> it just read ahead. Uh, we <laughs> now have deaths, which you're probably wondering, am I going to be talking about deaths? Why am I laughing? Uh, well, I'll talk about the sad, the maybe sad, the sadder one first before the other one. Um, we lost James L. Easton this week, age 88. Businessman Archer, philanthropist, philanthropist, and did I mention Archer? President of the World Archery Federation, the IOC, a IOC member since 1994, and weirdly enough, developed the first aluminum baseball bats. Yes. You know all those Easton baseball bats that you see? Oh, that's that guy. It's that Easton. So all of your uh, your friends who played uh, softball in college. And uh, Little League. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So when you see uh, and watch uh, Little League Baseball World Series yeah. and all those dings yeah. uh, coming from Easton. James L. Easton, or well, came from James L. Easton. Thank you, Easton. Now we move on to somebody we're not going to thank for anything. Uh, Henry Kissinger finally died. He was 100 years old. Uh, war Controversial. Criminal. You know the deal. Figure. Uh, we don't need to talk about him. Uh, just know that, man, that took a long time. I know, that's, that's why it just says finally here. <laughs> it just says finally. 
Straight, but, right, no, let's no, no description, on. just finally. Nah, he doesn't deserve it. Moving on to movies, we now start, of course, with the weekend box office numbers. Your number one movie in the world, or in the U.S. at least, right now is Renaissance, colon, a film by Beyonce, which premiered to $21 million in its debut week. Or one-fourth a Taylor Swift. Yes, that's true. So comparatively... <laughs> different numbers we're talking about here however still probably going to do pretty well for itself yes you can still run the ads that say number one movie in theaters right now you sure can number two the hunger games colon the ballad of songbirds and snakes made another 14.5 million dollars that's at a cool 121 that is the success folks number three godzilla minus one 11 million dollars in its first week here um i say here because that is of course a global release uh, coinciding with a Japanese release as well, its home territory. So we're finally getting a Godzilla uh, movie day and date with Japan, which is pretty cool, and it's doing pretty well for what it is. Number four, Trolls Band Together with another $7.6 million. That's at 74. It might limp its way to 100, maybe, but maybe not. Yeah, well, it is a family movie and it is family holiday yeah. season. Could have a little bit of a rise as long as it keeps in theaters for the rest of December. We'll see. Well, probably won't be in theaters for the rest of December. Yes. What they're already cleaning up uh, the the receipts for is Wish, which is your number five mov- uh, movie this week. Only $7.4 million. That is 41 right now domestic. I don't even know if it makes 50. It's performing even worse than the best, like, than like the worst previous um disney animated feature it's lousy uh disney is in such a disarray because of which that as of like a couple hours ago they announced that they will be bringing some pixar films to theaters to kind of help bolster their uh box office and kind of put 2024 off to the right foot where they will have disney plus streamers exclusive now in theaters that being soul in Mm -hmm. january Turning Red in February, and then Luca coming in March. Yeah, that's smart. Those were three films that people were actually upset that didn't get theatrical runs. Um, yeah, I would absolutely see Turning Red in theaters again. The other two... Again? Eh, not as much. No, I mean, like, for the first... But you know what I mean. See it again, but this time in a theater. Yes. Um, <laughs> the other two... Eh, I'm fine. But Turning Red? Great movie. Yes. I'd see that. I'd see that for sure. Hey, Valentine's um, Day, February. Yeah, that would be Just a cute saying. idea. Cute idea. All right. So that, oh yeah. And also, in case you were wondering how Silent Night, last week's other premiere, did way down at number nine with $3 million. Oh, well. Womp womp. Yep. Let's move on. Uh, there are, let's see, one. There is one, quantity one, new release this week. Um, but it's not new if you've already seen it in limited release or if you're a uh, listener from Japan. The Boy and the Heron, which of course is the newest, last Hayao Miyazaki film. He keeps saying that it's his last. Well, this one, maybe he actually means it. Who knows? But yes, um, it's in getting wider release this week. Uh, So if you missed it, didn't see it in limited, you can now see it possibly at your local theater. I want to say that this is the U.S dubbed version yes this is the dub yes that makes sense 
So if you're looking for the Japanese language track, you won't find it here. All right. Well, with that, let's move on to movie news. And we start with the search for Kang's director. You mean no, in uh, all seriousness, Kang uh, three, the search for more money? Yeah, exactly. Basically the same thing. But yes, Michael Waldron, who I guess was involved uh, in writing the Loki series. Is that what yes. you mean when he's yes. Loki? showrunner? Showrunner, showrunner of Loki? Okay. Yes. He has been tapped to write Marvel Studios Avengers colon The Kang Dynasty, the forthcoming Avengers film. Waldron had already been set to write Avengers Secret Wars, the installment that would follow Kang Dynasty, but now will write both Avengers sequels. However, Destin Daniel Cretton, sorry, we've been having a lot of gnats in the apartment lately, so if I swat, that's what I'm doing. Um, Destin Daniel Cretton will not be directing either film in order to focus on his other Marvel projects, like the TV series Wonder Man, which I've just heard for the first time right now. Avengers King Dynasty is dated to kick off summer in May on May 1st, 2026, giving Waldron more time, more than enough time to pen a script as the director's search begins again. The movie will precede Avengers Sacred Wars on May 7th, 2027, and that movie will wrap up the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Phase 6. So, um, yes. Three years until that movie comes out, meaning he's got about a year to write probably both of these scripts because, just going to assume here, since they did it with Endgame <laughs> and uh, Infinity War, they're going to shoot these things back to back. I would imagine. It seems like that scheduling implies that. So yeah. Also, this does mean that you will indeed get continuity between both Avengers films and yes. not just have one guy being, okay, how do I make what that guy wrote fit to what I'm currently writing? Oh, no, you mean the you mean the Star Wars strategy? Yes, the Star Wars strategy. <laughs> the mystery mean, box strategy. Yeah, you mean the sequel, you know, the sequel trilogy strategy. Yeah, that worked so well for them, didn't it? <laughs> Anyways, so yes, not that, which is good. Disney is learning yes. from their mistakes, maybe. But also, since a lot of people really liked Loki, that fans yeah. will probably be on board with, hey, this Avengers movie is going to be good. It's a smart move to get people, to get someone that, that the fans actually have good karma for right now and get him attached to a project like this. And also, since he's also been working with um, a Kang variant in Loki... Uh, it stands to reason that he knows how Jonathan Majors acts. He knows how say, to work with him. I was going to say, though, are they all just going to be variants because we're not sure about that casting anymore? <laughs> uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> he's Jonathan Majors is currently in trial, so we'll see how yeah, that plays so we'll out first. Out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to something a little bit more happy. Welcome to Good Burger. Home of the Good Burger, would you like to have a new movie? Well, we knew that Good Burger 2 debuted with a record-breaking premiere on Paramount Plus back in November, landing as the most watched original film on the streaming service since it launched back in March 2021. But it's also the first major film to hail from Keenan Thompson's own production studio, Artists for Artists, which he co-founded with studio executive John Ryan Jr. on the premise that when actors share in greater creative and financial autonomy, Good things ensue. AFA is drawing the attention of creatives, including Sidney Sweeney and Emma Roberts, who each have projects in the works with Thompson and Ryan. More Good Burger IP is also on the way, 
And AFA is also developing a series based on a PlayStation game whose name they can't quite spill yet. Okay, PlayStation expert, guess what that is. Uh, I'm going to assume that it is a comedy, so I'm going to go with Ratchet and Clank. I was thinking series. Ratchet and Clank as well. That's exactly where I was. Yes, we're on the same same page <laughs> there. Anyway, or Sly Cooper. Ooh, or Sackboy. Yeah, I could see I could see a family boy. adventure Sackboy with Keenan Thompson as the a voice. Sackboy kids show is such a slam dunk. Just do with it. With Keenan Thompson as the voice, a bunch of SNL alumni oh. added to. Yes, do it. Do it, please. Get Will Forte in there. Yes. I was going to say, get Kyle Mooney involved. <laughs> anyway. Um, yes. So, Cecily Strong, says, where are you? I know you need work. Maybe. I don't know. She was on Broadway for a while. Uh, oh, yeah. Thompson says the concept is a simple yet often elusive one in the traditional Hollywood studio structure. Creators that want a greater stake in their work. Hey, round of applause for Keenan, because this sounds great. Like, this sounds like a really good idea, and people are buying into it. You know, as Keenan Thompson has been in the industry since he was a kid. Right. He would know. All the way back in the 90s. I'm sure he has seen his run gamut of lots of producers and especially how CEOs and companies, production companies, have shifted towards wanting to own the IPs instead of the people who created their works. Yes. As we mentioned and keep mentioning in music about artists and uh, songwriters wanting to own their works mm-hmm. here with Artists for Artists the creators will own the IP, not AFA. They will just be there to help promote it. They'll be there to help guide them. They'll be there to help finance it. But the IP and all creative uh, endeavors from it, including toys, including merchandise, will belong to those who create that IP. It's great. Honestly, I'm looking forward to whatever whatever else this company is working on. It seems pretty cool conceptually. So... Good for Keenan. Good job paying it forward to new creatives. Also, um, snuck in there, more Good Burger IP. Does that yeah. mean Good Burger 3 or Good Burger the series? I would imagine a series for Paramount Plus is probably an easy get right now. Probably with a new generation of Good Burger employees. I could see that. Letting Keenan and Kel uh, move on to other things and let them pass the torch on to a new uh, good burger team. I could see that totally working. I think you mean pass the spatula eh. to a new team. Eh. Eh. Anyways, I mean, uh, just get a couple of dudes in there, and dudes could be anybody. I mean, she's a dude, he's a dude, they're all dudes. So, hey. hey. Alright, let's move on before I say more things related to Good Burger. A movie, by the way, I have never seen. You haven't seen the original Good Burger? No, I've never seen Good Burger. All I know is just cultural osmosis and all the ads <laughs> and trailers they showed on Nickelodeon in the 90s. I've never actually seen Good Burger. <laughs> oh, I didn't even great, watch all that. It's this great little movie about a big, oddly enough, a big mega corporation trying to take down the little burger joint. Checks out. <laughs> yeah, turns out. All right, anyway. Let's move on to the thing. We just speed run this show, and it's all to get to this thing, which I'm worried that we might talk about for a while. Wow, did we really just speed run the show in like an hour? We did. I'm just realizing that. It was a pretty speedy show. Uh, but it's all to get, all roads lead to movie thoughts, where we have one movie that may or may not be a forthcoming Oscar favorite to discuss. Well, depends on which side of the season you land on. Because mm-hmm. we are talking about May, December. Yes. 
Uh, this is the new Netflix movie uh, starring Natalie Portman and uh, Ju- Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. And don't yes. forget, uh, burgeoning star Riverdale's Reggie, Charles Melton. Don't forget Charles Melton. You're going to hear Charles Melton's name a lot in the next couple of months. I am going to easily confuse that with Melton the Pokemon. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a Photoshop that somebody needs to do right now. <laughs> Charles Melton in the like in the middle of the little cog. Yes, face right there, Charles Melton. Somebody do that. Somebody is listening. If that to does right not now. exist already, please do that and email it to us at mediabopodcast at gmail dot com. No, anyways, but and also while you're things, doing that, yes. You should probably watch <laughs> May, December. Yeah, that's a good point. Do we want to get into spoilers here, or do we want people to go watch it? Maybe we want people to watch it. Okay, so you watched this not knowing what it was about. I knew vaguely what the premise was, but I hadn't. I made it a point not to read any reviews. I didn't know anything about the actual movie itself. So The only yes. thing that I saw of it was Natalie Portman basically being an actor going yeah. through the acting method process. I was like, right. okay, but why is it called May, December though? That, that seems does, weird. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't compute. what the actual movie is really about. So, Well, technically it does, but only if you're like 80, apparently. <laughs> but anyway, Because that's when that lingo was used. I guess so. But anyway, um, if you're not familiar, May, December is based loosely on real true events. Uh, and is about the story of the background is at least about the story of a 36 year old uh, who, uh, yeah, we're going to get into some heavy stuff. Just warning. So just to let people know ahead of time, because that's just what this movie is about. But yes, a 36 year old who ended up being a, in a relationship with a 12 year old boy at a school uh, where they met. And then proceeded to get arrested for such crime, because yes, that is called statutory rape, and it is a crime, Um, only to, when released from prison, marry said boy, and then have a 23-year relationship with said boy. And have a child. Multiple children. With said boy. Some that were had during the prison stint. Mm-hmm. yeah do the math yourself it's kind of gross but do the math and you'll figure out why that's kind of messed up anyway so the premise of may december is natalie portman plays a actor who is set to portray the woman and played thus, by julianne moore who is played in this film by julianne moore and is essentially shadowing julianne moore in her real life to learn how to act as her better and in doing so, she kind of becomes involved in the drama and day-to-day life of Julianne Moore and Charles Melton's character, the boy in question, who is now her husband of 23 years. Yeah. It's a heavy subject matter. But... It's... Yeah. Yeah. But I want to get... Before we go any further, I want to get your overall vibe what did you come out of this film feeling what were your like what were your what was your overall like did you have a a good time i mean considering how much of a good time you could have with a movie that's about this kind of stuff did you 
think like what do you think about it at the end so the first thing that i kept wondering and trying to figure out is why was this thing set in 2015 <laughs> why not set it in present day why specifically 2015 and i couldn't get yeah. an answer for that yeah I think it's well actually I have to do some research. I think it's because the original like story that this is based on happened in the 90s. So 15 years later would yeah. put it around 2015. Well yeah, actually think, 18 years later, because there's graduation, would yes. put it around 2015. I think you're right, because of how pivotal to the plot that the kids' graduation from high school is, mm -hmm. that's probably why they did that now. Right, which means that you have basically a kid born in 1980 mm -hmm. having a kid and that kid graduating high school by the time they reach 36. Yeah. But at the same time, you have Natalie Portman's character mm -hmm. who plays a 36-year-old right, and essentially born in the same year and how they have essentially two completely separate <laughs> and different lives. Right. Because of the choices that were made, not by the male <laughs> character, Charles Melton, when right. he was yes. 12, 17 years old. Right. Okay. So there's and that. a lot of that goes into with the story of, especially of Charles, what uh, Charles yeah. Melton does is, it feels like at points, have a midlife crisis because of this. I mean, I'll go into my thoughts about that in a moment, but just to... Back to my question. So how'd you feel overall about the movie though? Like besides some trying to figure out some some context about why it was made the way it was. Well, I also, I mean, like I said, I went into it just knowing that it was Natalie Portman doing the research role. And yeah. so trying to figure out why this was a research role. And if you go to it blind, that first opening act, throw some curveball there. You're like, wait, what's going on? What exactly am I looking at here? Yeah. What am I watching? Until it finally becomes clear, because they kind of like flat out say what it is. Yeah. Both through verbal and then the um, background clip montage of newspaper articles, real right. briefly. Uh, so, but once you like understand what is going on between the two characters and why Natalie Portman is here, that's when this movie gets interesting. Yeah. So overall... How'd you feel by the end? I mean, I can't really talk about the end because that ending scene yeah. mm. is very pivotal <laughs> with the buildup from the entire movie. So right. I think it does a good job of it uh, throughout, especially building up Mally Portman's character. She is the star in this thing. She is <laughs> completely running this thing, running the show. Yeah. Uh, it is definitely her vehicle, and I can see why all these actors' uh, nominations probably will be going her way yeah. but it's also interesting to see that 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 this is specifically natalie portman in this role because <laughs> way back in 1999 when she was cast in star wars uh episode one of phantom menace she was at that time supposed to be romantically involved with yeah. a younger child <laughs> As part of that plot point, to be and fair, I think the people age, the age will... gap there was not as dramatic as this, but yes, no, but I think <laughs> it's like done on purpose, or at least that is probably, uh, probably chose this role on purpose. I think you're reading into that a little too much. What I, I will don't know say is, about that, my read about that is that that she's just very good at playing that kind of character because she kind of did already in Black Swan. Uh, I had that moment too, <laughs> like this is just Black Swan all over again, isn't it? Okay. 
But anyway, so I think this movie is fascinating for a lot of reasons. But the number one reason is, is the movie I kept thinking about the whole time I was watching this was last year's Oscar discussion uh, movie, which was Tar. Remember when we talked about Tar a year ago around the mm-hmm. same time? And Kate Blanchett. Yeah, so the two movies yeah. are not exactly similar, but they do both have in their core an older woman who has made some really awful decisions and you're trying to kind of like the audience then has to decide how they feel about all of this. The only difference is, is that this movie approaches it in a completely opposite way that Tar does. The way I described it to Christy when we were talking about the movie after we finished it. In Tar, all the cards are just kind of spread out on the table and it's up to you to decide how you interpret all of those cards. However, in May-December, the director is taking out each card one by one, showing you, making sure you understand what the card means as it places down on the table. Two very different approaches in film, but as we know, since we have a lot of film studies classes under our belts, that's the nice thing about film. You can do different techniques with how you make a film, how a director's approach is, just determine how the audience approaches it. Whereas Tar is very open to interpretation, May-December is very clear about how you should feel about everybody. And I think that works extremely well in this movie. I think the greatest part about this movie is how fascinating the film will guide you to feeling what you need to be feeling in every moment, down to the absolute ridiculous score in this thing. I want to point out specifically how it's used in that scene near the beginning where <laughs> Julianne Moore's character is opening the uh, the fridge and she notices that there are no, like she says, that they need to buy more hot dogs. And then just the score is just sting right there. It's like, doo-doo-doo. It's supposed to be played as this like amazingly intense, dramatic moment when it's about hot dogs. <laughs> and that's the thing that this movie is doing. It takes a very heavy subject matter and plays it straight. Like, does not at any point, like, does not at any point, like, try to tell, like, make it lighter or try to lighten that up. Treats it as the heavy subject matter really is. But at the same time, is so overly melodramatic about every single thing that it's doing. That is such a fascinating telling of that story. The storytelling method is so unique. And so interesting that it elevates what could just been a very sappy, dark story into something that's completely off of the wall and ridiculous, but at the same time, taking every character in the film extremely seriously and making you care what happens to these characters, especially the Charles Melton character. I want to talk about him for a second, because you had said that the breakdown he has in this film struck you as a midlife crisis. That wasn't my read. My read of it was, you know that story that a lot of people talk about with celebrity, whereas once you become a child star, you kind of have your adulthood kind of ripped from you and Mm -hmm. your brain develops in a different way. So you kind of stop developing around like eight to 12, you know, roughly, wherever you kind of have that trauma it kind of breaks you. 
That's my read of the Charles Melton performance. I think the way he's performing this character is as if, because of the intense trauma that was afflicted on him at such a young age, whether or not he is, you know, aware that that trauma happened or not, it did so much damage to him that whenever any thought challenges his day-to-day, as soon as he stops just going through the motions of his marriage in life, he retreats back into that child mode. Like, he cannot handle that level of emotion because he's never had to before. He was never put... He basically went from being a child in a family to to having basically a surrogate mother date him and treat him like a child throughout the film. There are multiple instances that suggest that she kind of has a mother-son relationship with him as opposed to a husband-wife dynamic, which kind of pushes that point of, no, he's breaking down because he's finally realizing, his brain is finally realizing, with the help of some characters in this film, kind of, that he is being taken advantage of, and that this whole time he's been broken, and he's finally getting, crawling out of that pit. That's, I think, what's happening. That arrested development, not the television show, not the band, uh, but that literal arrested development has kept him from having this breakthrough that he finally happens during, that finally occurs during the story of this film. Yeah, but even when he does try and, like, have those kind of conversations Mm -hmm. with his wife at the time, (laughs) I'll say at the time, with his wife, um, then she has a breakdown and, like, makes it all about her, and he has to put his feelings aside once again. Yeah. It goes to show you what a fantastic job this movie does as a character study for all these characters. Because you get his perspective, but yeah, you also get to see Julianne Moore's character, who is so deeply in denial about having performed any wrongdoing. Like, she thinks that she got out of prison and that she was, all right, I'm good. I did my time. I'm going to be with this man I love. Not thinking about the implications of that. Not thinking about how that would affect her family, her own children from a previous marriage. Like, the film keeps gathering up all the all the chess pieces on the board and tells you, like, this is how this person ended up. Kind of weird, huh? This is how this person ended up. Hmm, weird vibes are all around, huh? Here's how it affected the people in this in the community that they're in. Wow, that's pretty weird. It keeps like amounting until by the end of the movie of all this evidence that actually everybody in this film is kind of fucked up, all because of the decisions that Julianne Moore's character made way back in the 90s. But the craziest wrench in all of that that this film throws is Natalie Portman's character. Because at the beginning, you want so badly to believe that she is just this normal person entering the story from an outside perspective that is going to witness all of this crazy chaos happening, right? Wrong. Because as the film goes on, you start to actually see what her character really is. And the more you learn about her character, you find out, oh, actually, no. The movie also wants to let me know that she's one of the crazy ones, too. (laughs) All leading up to, like you said, that fantastic ending, which just like Tar, this is where they are similar. They both end with a scene that recontextualizes everything that happened before. And then you're left at the end of the film wondering, 
Oh shit. So that really was for nothing, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this is a fascinating movie and it's been and Christy and I have not been able to stop talking about it since we watched it. I mean even before you get to that that tumultuous ending right before you get the monologue yes, from the monologue Natalie Portman. Scene. Which is what they will, that is the clip that they show, that they will show during when they introduce Natalie Portman's uh, Oscar nomination. Absolutely. Yes, just yes. that clip. Yeah, that's all you need. It yep. sells it right there. Apparently she did that take eight times. Can you believe doing that eight times? It's all one take though. There's no cuts no, no, in that. I mean, they, they did that sequence eight times. Yes, I know. Uh, yeah, it's a weird movie. I don't think it's for everyone, though. <laughs> I, I think some so. people. I think some people will get turned off by both the subject material and yes. just the overall tone of it. Yeah. Um, the other, so you mentioned that this movie is like tar in its um, capacity. Not the movie I was um, <laughs> went in and like compared it to. I went the opposite route as well. This is a very dramatic take on this very um, important subject. Mm. I went the opposite route into the, oh, someone can easily just make fun of this. And someone has. Someone like Adam Sandler with mm. That's My Boy. So people, this has been brought up in conversation around this movie because people are like, yeah, we used to make fun of this concept. We used to use it as a punchline. Back in the 90s when this was a, a story, you can actually watch old Norm MacDonald uh, weekend updates from that era. It was a punchline. Everybody thought it was hilarious that, oh, yeah, the teenage boy totally scored with the with the older woman. Hell, yeah. It used to be this, like, weird, like, oh, yeah, that's so cool thing, as opposed to what we now understand it as, which is taking advantage of a young boy before he has the capacity to make any decisions. That is unless you can actually watch Friends, in which case, that is a direct plot point from yeah. season three, where Phoebe's brother, half-brother, gets with and marries the teacher, and then yeah. asks for Phoebe's help in get, making kids, and they have triplets because yeah. of it. Yeah. It's a thing that was used as a comedy trope for so long that it does feel weird to actually have like see it being taken with the the amount of care that it needs to be taken care of the thing that this movie does though that's not like that's interesting though is it doesn't but at the same time it doesn't weigh you down constantly with thinking about it it's obviously the centerpiece of why everything's happening but i think that parallel story that's happening with natalie portman is there to remind you so to like lighten the load a little bit and also say like, actually, no, like there are other things in the story that are going on that will also kind of not distract you from the darkness of that, but re reinforce it in a way and like remind you like, uh, like of it. And I think that above all, the one thing that I think is the glue that keeps all of that together is Charles Melton's performance. I think that it, the movie hinges on him being this good. Because if you take that depiction of that character out, if you don't, like, if you at any point don't care for that character, the movie doesn't work. You need to care for that character. He's the only redeemable character. Well, maybe not the only, but one of the only redeemable characters in the entire film. 
you need that to be its centerpiece. You need that to be its emotional heart. There are so many great emotional sequences with his character in this film that I believe are the beating heart of this film. The soul of this film is Charles Melton's performances, his performance. And this is why he is the one getting the buzz right now for his performance. It's fantastic. The Riverdale guy. Yes. He tried to sell you Jingle Jangle, but now he's going to sell you an Oscar performance. (laughs) No, I, I honestly, after watching this, I think that he should win everything that anybody can give it to him. It's just amazing. Just the one scene in particular uh, where he's like, he just, where he, as I mentioned before, kind of regresses into like his childhood where, cause he finally is able to confront Julianne Moore. Like that scene, he just has this like hunched over fingers, like linked convincing acting. I have seen people do this kind of anxious body language in real life before i have never seen it in a movie like this and he nails it it's so convincing he's so convincingly become a shell of an adult because he's not really an adult he was he had his adulthood stolen from him and that informs his character in the film it informs how he interacts with his children in a pivotal well, yeah, because pivotal he moments. is finally having that reflection of mm-hmm. my kids are the age I was yes. when this happened to me, and it's finally hitting him yeah. at like a freight train because he's having to confront it yeah. with his own kids. But even more so than that, they are getting the opportunity that he never got, which was to mm-hmm. have a free, independent life. They are graduating, a couple of them, and they are able to now actually like the butterfly emerging from a cocoon, be free from the darkness and oppression that he experienced and he could never escape. It's also, a beautiful la- moment. Last thing I will say with this is Julianne Moore's character absolutely nails the <sighs> little wrenching and digs at her yeah. family members. Yes. Uh, specifically when uh, the daughter is trying on dresses yes, for uh, yes. first uh was it spring or yeah, prom for prom prom i think it's prom and just the little, the for, little graduation. Jabs. No, it's for graduation it's what she's wearing underneath the robe all right yeah just the little jabs of wow i could never pull that off like oh you're so brave for what you're doing just yeah those little screws and jabs i just felt every single one of those well that's that character that's that character through the whole film is like she's not aware of how anything she does affects anyone because she also has trauma, or does she? Uh, depending on who you ask in the film, maybe no one knows. But yes, she also has trauma that she is now reciprocating on other people. It's it's mm-hmm. a it's a cycle here, and the movie does a good job of letting you know that everybody, except possibly the Charles Melton character, who's had all this drama thrust upon him, um, everybody else it all has their own shit because of what she and her family started essentially. And yeah, it's all interconnected and it's all fascinating to watch the train wreck. Um, so yeah, I recommend May, December, like you said, not for everybody, just because it deals with some heavy shit. If you're not ready for it, it could catch you off guard. But generally speaking, this is one to watch in award season. I sincerely believe that. Anyway, 
Anyway, okay. Anything else to say about May December? No, I think that that's 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 the last thing I'll say. Is like, yeah, watch this. Watch Charles Melton specifically, and watch the film. I think it has a chance to really make a dent in Oscar season. I think that it's a really strong strong contender. Uh, yeah. Um. So, last bit. No news on the SAG AFTRA. Maybe we'll get stuff next week. Next week update. That's next week's, week's that. episode. But hey, before we get to next week's episode, we actually have another end of the year episode to get through. Yes, we do. Look forward to on Sunday, as you mentioned, up at 12 p.m. noon Pacific time. We will have video games, our year-end wrap-up for 2023 year in video games. So tune in for that. There'll be a recap of the news and our top five favorite games of the year. So check that out. That will be up on your podcast feed or if you want to watch the video version, up on YouTube. So check that out on our channel. And where do you find all of this, you ask? Well, funny that you should, you should ask. I have that ready for you right now. Let's plug them. We can be found on podcast services such as Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you find podcasts. You can download us by searching Media Boat Podcast. You can also find us on our YouTube channel in video form. Search YouTube for Media Boat Podcast, and you can go onto our channel, like, subscribe, and click the bell for when new videos are uploaded. You can find us on the internet on MediaBoatPodcast.com. There you can see an archive of our previous shows, as well as short write-ups for all our year-end wrap-ups as they happen. Right now, the write-up for the music episode is up. You can see a cool graphic thing that I was able to pull off on the website, which I'm very proud of. So check that out and read what we thought about our top fives. You can also find us on social media platforms like Twitter, formerly known as, wait, no, X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, where we're at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast to find us there. Twitch.tv slash Media Boat is where you will find occasionally us playing some video games. And lastly, you can email us your questions, comments, feedback, whatever you want at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com including Charles Melton's face on the Pokemon Meltan. So all of that and more, we'll be back next week for another proper episode of the Media Boat Podcast but also on Sunday for that affirmation wrap-up episode as well as every Sunday in December for more wrap-up specials. So look forward to all of that in your feeds and we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, we'll be back next week with our regular show with more news, more thoughts, and more of us. All right. See as then. we get towards the end of 2023 here, mm -hmm. only what four episodes left? No, yep. this is the fourth. Three more episodes <laughs> to go till the yep. end of the year. So look forward to the end. Bye. All right. Bye. bye.